We're in a series called Whatever, and um, I know that it's uh, speaking into some people's lives by some of the feedback that I've gotten from you guys. The fact of the matter is, is that too many of us take our relationship with God, our response to his love, our response to his grace, our, our response to his involvement, our response to his guidance and direction in our lives, our response to his truths that we find in his word, our response for, to, to him calling us to follow him and to be his disciple, our response is too often, whatever. We've been addressing that in these last few weeks. I want to thank our team for the song that they ministered to us during our giving time. Boy, I can really, really, really relate to that song. Oftentimes, I feel exactly like the words in that song. I think to myself, Lord, are you tired of me coming to you time after time after time and saying, I'm sorry, I messed up, I need a second chance? And it's during those times that I can remind myself of his grace, that he is a God of second chances and third and fourth and 100 and 1,000 chances. That's the way that he loves me and that's one of the ways that he expresses his love to me. What a great God that we have. I mean, when you consider how great our God is, do you ask yourselves, how is it that we can find ourselves in that whatever mode? When you consider how he has expressed his love for us, when you consider his promises, how is it that our response so often is whatever? I hear you, but whatever. That's a mystery to me. Look, I, I, I do the same thing. Whatever. I'm really asking God to do a work in my life, to change me and to mold me, to grow me. I want to do that less and less and less in my life. I, I want you to know this morning, and listen carefully to these very, very simple words. You've probably heard them before. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to allow them to penetrate your heart maybe more than they ever have before. Listen. Your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life. Your relationship with Jesus, speaking to believers, your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life. I sat this past week and just said, Lord, I'm just going to kind of concentrate on that statement and I ask you to just kind of pour into me, reveal to me, talk to me, tell me what that means. One of the things that I thought of was, you know, that kind of statement is received by, at the very least, two different groups of people in our church there are people in our church that will be very motivated by that statement. There's a group of people who, who have a great respect for authority. Which, by the way, the lack of a respect for authority, I believe, is one of the things that keep our country from being as great as it should be just a lack of respect for authority. But I know that there's a group of people here that you have a great respect for authority. And so for me to say, 
that your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life should motivate you because Jesus is the greatest authority in your life. It would be nice for me as, as a teacher, as a, as a preacher, to think that everybody uh, receives God's message because they recognize that He is the Lord. He's the Master. He's the teacher. He's the king. We are his servants. So we have no choice but to receive what he shares with us, what he pours into our lives. Because we have this respect for authority. He's our greatest authority. He's a greater authority than any other authority in our life. And so that what, what he shares with us, what he teaches us, how he guides and directs us, that's the thing that is the absolute priority in our life. He's the king. Those who don't really have a respect for authority or that's not a real high on their priority list, they won't be motivated by the fact that Jesus is the greatest authority in our lives. There's a, a group of people here this morning who, who when, when we consider what Jesus shares with us and what he teaches us and how he leads and guides and directs us, the question that we want to ask ourselves is, I hear you, all of that's fine, but what's in it for me? How do I benefit from being a follower of Jesus Christ? To you, I would say, allow this truth to motivate you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Your greatest opportunity for contentment and satisfaction is found in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Ultimately, all of us are looking for contentment and satisfaction in our lives. It really is the determining factor in the decisions that we make. Will this bring me contentment? Will this bring me satisfaction? Will this bring me joy? Will this bring me peace? Will this, will this satisfy me? Whether it's deciding on what house to buy, what, what car to buy, who to date, who to marry, uh, what job to take, who's going to be my friend, how am I going to spend my time. Ultimately, the motivating factor there, the, the determining factor there is what's going to bring me the greatest contentment. I am, I was going to say suggesting, but it's got to be stronger than that. I'm telling you this morning that your greatest opportunity for contentment and satisfaction in your life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Those who are followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, they, they acknowledge that, that He's the teacher, that He's the master, that He's the Lord, that He's the King. They have a, a tendency to grow in this understanding and they have this tendency to live by these three, these three truths. Jesus knows what's best for me. Jesus wants what's best for me. Jesus has the power to bring that about in my life. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, I can apply those three truths in my life. Whether I'm hurt, whether I'm in a valley, whether I've, I've had victory and I'm on the mountaintop, I can apply those three, those three truths. Jesus loves me and He's involved in my life and He knows what's best for me. He wants what's best for me. He has the power to bring it about in my life. I trust that. I live in that. I die to that. I give myself to that. I surrender to that. 
And that brings great peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction in my life. If you're motivated by what's in this for me, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the greatest relationship in your life. Jesus says to us, we, whether we're motivated by His authority or we, whether we're motivated by what He brings into our lives, Jesus says to us, I want you to be my follower. I, I want you to be a disciple of mine. And we've spent the past few weeks trying to determine what does it mean to be a disciple. And we've looked at some, some definitions of the world. We looked at some definitions from the dictionary. We looked at what men say disciple means. But we have concentrated on what Jesus says a disciple is. And here's what he says. This is in your notes. And this is what we've studied the last three weeks. To be a disciple, I must spend time with Jesus. I must be where he's at. I know he's where I'm at, but I need to be where he's at. John 12, 26, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must come and follow me because my servants must be where I am. And those who follow me, Jesus says, the father will honor them. Do you see how that speaks to those two groups of people? He says to the one who has respect for authority, if you want to be my disciple, you must follow me. He says to the one who asks the question, what's in it for me? He says to them, those who follow me, the Father will honor them. I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you, what, what, what honor, how honor is defined in that passage. But it sounds good to me. I think that's something that's good. Those there are those who would say it means blessing. To honor means to, to give favor to. Those who are my disciples, the Father will give favor to them. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you, you got to be where I am. And if you want to be my disciple, then you got to love me above everything and everybody. As a matter of fact, he says in Luke 14, if you want to be my disciple, you must love me more than you love your family. You must love me even more than you love yourself. Otherwise, he says, you can't be my disciple. You can be a believer. You can have placed your faith in me to forgive your sin. But you can't be my disciple. That's my, my disciple loves me supremely. He says, if you, if, if you want to be my disciple, you have to love other disciples because spiritual growth happens in community. In John 13, he says, if you love one another, then everyone will know you are my disciple. Or, he says, if you are my disciple, then you will love one another. We looked at that last week. Jesus also says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to do what I tell you to do. If you want to follow me, if you want me to mentor you, if you want to be my student, my intern, if you want me to mold you and change you, if you want me to grow you and use you, then you need to do what I tell you to do. John chapter 8, Jesus says, if you continue, that is to say abide, if you continue to obey my teaching, then truly you are my disciple. But let's go deeper. First, I think you need to ask yourself the question, do I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? We looked at 
two or three weeks ago that that's a choice that you make. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you want to be a follower of Jesus? It's the difference in casual Christianity and surrender. One author has said it's the difference in being a follower and being a fan of Jesus. A lot of fans of Jesus. I'm a fan of Jesus. Do you want to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, he gives us something else here. We'll look at it together on our notes. He says, if you want to be my disciples, you must serve others unselfishly. I want you to know this morning that service is a very, very important part of your spiritual growth. We want to grow spiritually. We have talked about change, radical change taking place in your life. We've talked about 2015 being the greatest year you've ever had. That is tied to where you're at spiritually. We've talked about are you the same today? Are you in the same place spiritually today that you were a week ago or a month ago or a year ago? Or five or ten years ago? If you're in the same place, it's an indication that there's no growth taking place. We ought to have a heart and a desire and a passion to grow in our relationship with Jesus just like we would in any relationship that has value to us. I want to know Him better. I want to grow in my relationship with Him. Well, serving, serving is a very, very important part of growing in your relationship with Jesus. Mark chapter 9, Jesus sits down with the 12 disciples and He says to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Talking to His disciples. This, this is something that He said after a, a conversation that the disciples had among themselves about who was the greatest disciple of all. It's, it's as if they, they wanted the, the coaches poll on disciples. The AP poll. Who's number one? What are the rankings? Jesus' response to that is not, oh, y'all are crazy for thinking that way. It wasn't that. He tells them how they can be number one. He says to them, if you want to be number one, then be last. If you want to be number one, then be a servant. Now look, I don't know about you, but you might be sitting here this morning going, well, that's different. As a matter of fact, I would say that that's the most counterculture statement that one could make. The world says, you got to make your life about you. Nobody else is going to worry about you. You better worry about you. It's all about you. Have it your way. You deserve this. Look out for number one. We're inundated with that message. The more magazines you read, the more TV you watch, the more radio you listen to, the more conversations you have with other people, that's the message we are inundated with. You better watch out for number one. Jesus says you want to be number one? Be last. 
You want to be number one? Be a servant. The world believes that if you look out for yourself above all else, it's in that that you'll find significance. That's where you'll find significance. It, 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 it's not... It's this idea that the more people who serve me, the greater significance I will find. And Jesus says almost the exact opposite. It's not how many are serving you. It's how many you're serving that brings significance into your life. I, I think it's right in thinking that significance is a critical thing in our lives. That significance brings contentment in our lives. But it's, it's wrong in thinking that significance is found in how many people are serving you. Significance is not derived from success. It's derived from service. I know that's hard for you to, to kind of let sink in. Because it's so counterculture to what we are inundated with. Significance comes from service. That's how God wired us. It's how He made us. Significance comes from not how much you make. It doesn't come from how many people serve you. It doesn't come from your status. It doesn't come from what logo is on your car or, or on your shirt. It comes from service. Let it sink in. Jesus said significance comes from service. Why did God wire us that way? Here's why. Because He wants us to be like Him. Here's what Jesus said. He said, even I did not come to be served. Even I, the King, even I, the Master, even I, the Lord, even I, He says in Mark, the Son of Man, even I, the Son of God, did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give my life for many. That's the Christian life. The more that you learn to serve, the more that you learn to give, the more fulfilled and contented you're going to be. Giving yourself away. If it's true that the, that the determining thing in the decisions we make is what will bring me the greatest contentment or satisfaction, what will satisfy me? Folks, listen to me. I'm telling you this morning that Jesus says the greatest sense of contentment and satisfaction in your life comes from serving others. So I'm answering that question for you. What's going to bring me the greatest satisfaction and contentment? Jesus says it comes from serving others. I just don't know how it can be more clear than that. Why is serving so important to spiritual growth? Because you just can't sit and take it in all the time you got to exercise a little bit. 
Spiritual exercise is when you serve. Spiritual exercise is when you do something unselfish. You just can't come to church and sit and listen and take notes and soak it all up and go home and do nothing. You have to, you have to exercise. Service is exercise. Consider this. If you wanted to be really healthy, physically healthy, and you ate nothing but the healthiest foods, but you didn't exercise, it would do you no good. You got to exercise. If you want to be spiritually healthy, you got to do more than just consume the healthiest, the most spiritual foods. You've got to exercise or you will not grow. So, why is it that so people, so few people are willing to serve? Well, here it is. Because service always costs you something. Service demands sacrifice. Spiritual growth requires sacrifice. Folks, put all of this together. I ask you the question, you're in the same place spiritually today you were a year ago? You're not growing. Do you have a heart for growth and growing in your relationship with Jesus? You want to be a true follower, a true disciple? A component of that is serving. As a matter of fact, I would suggest you can't grow if you don't serve. You can get more knowledge. You can know more about what's in the Bible, but you will not be growing spiritually if you don't serve. Service always costs something. Service is about love. Love is the greatest motivator. The essence of love is giving. The essence of love is serving. So we've got to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We've got to grow in our love for Him. Because when we're consumed by His love, then He gives us the capacity to love others. We won't serve others if we don't love them. And we can't love them until we experience His love in our lives. Love is what drives service. Love is what drives giving. You don't give, you don't love. You can apply that to your relationship with God. You can apply that to your relationship with your wife. You can apply that to your relationship with your children and your friends. If you don't give, you don't love. Love is what drives service. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, if anybody wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Denying ourselves. Here's what that means. It's simple, really. Jesus, it's your plan, not mine. Your plan for me, not mine. Jesus, it's your agenda, not mine. It's your direction, not mine. I'm not asking you to walk with me. I'm going to walk with you. 
your pace, your direction, your agenda, your plan. That's denying self. I want what you want, not what I want. I know what you want is best for me. You know what's best for me. You want what's best for me. It's your plan, not mine. That verse also says, take up your cross. That, that, that is to say, sacrifice for, for God. Sacrifice for good. Even if it means dying. And I literally mean dying. We don't really understand that because no one here is threatened with death because you're a disciple. But I want you to know that when he says take up the cross in this first century, he's speaking to his disciples and he, he, he uses the word cross on purpose because cross, the cross was a symbol of torture. It was a symbol of death. It always was until Jesus got a hold of it and turned it into something positive. I read this past week that without Jesus, wearing a cross around your neck would be like wearing an electric chair on a chain around your neck. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Today there are over 100,000 Christians every single year who die because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Over 100,000 every year, according to Voice of Martyrs magazine. Spiritual growth requires exercise and spiritual growth requires sacrifice. I must serve others unselfishly if I'm going to be his disciple. Now look, lots of opportunities to serve here at Avalon. Lots of opportunities to serve. And we need you to serve. But I don't want you to serve because we need you to serve. We need you to serve. But I don't want you to serve because we need you to serve. I want you to serve because you need to serve. Because there's no spiritual growth without service. I want you to find a place to serve. I want to tell you something. I am in awe, literally, of the men who show up here on Thursday night and set up these chairs for our services on Sunday morning. Nobody knows that they do that. And it's hard work. They show up here. And they set up these chairs. They're so faithful about it. Sometimes we call them at the last minute and go, we got something going on there. You're going to have to do it Friday instead. You're going to have to do it Saturday instead. They show up. and they, That's serving. You know, I'm, not, I'm not talking about teaching a class, though if that's your giftedness, that's serving. I'm talking about just denying yourself, taking up your cross. I'm talking about loving other people by what you do, by giving, by serving. It's essential for spiritual growth. Ask your life group leader or tell your life group leader, I, I want to serve. Will you help me find a place to serve? Tell, you, tell your deacon, I want to serve. Will you help me find a place to serve? Tell Pastor Jim, tell me, tell Lori. Man, we've got plenty of opportunities to serve. And I want to tell you something, that serving our people here at Avalon Church is just where it starts. Because I believe that ultimately, that what God is calling us to do is serve our community and serve our world. And I don't believe you'll do that if you're not even serving here. Ultimately, 
That's what being a disciple is about. Ultimately, that's why we're spending time on, on understanding love and, and understanding what it means to be a follower of Christ because we want to impact our community for Christ. That doesn't happen without disciples, without followers. It doesn't happen with fans of Jesus. Yay, Jesus. I'm a fan of Jesus. Heaven's my home. It happens with followers of Jesus. If you're not serving, make a commitment to change that today. We got to serve. You can't grow until you learn to serve. And, and then very, very briefly, if I'm going to be his disciple, I must share the good news. I love this. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. While, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were, they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Here's what Jesus said to them. Here's what Jesus says to you. I want to show you how to change lives. I want to show you how to get people into heaven. I want to show you and teach you. Follow me and I'll show you how to bring people to me. I want to show you. I want to teach you. I, I, I want to show you how to share the good news. I want to teach you how to be fishers of men. Because if you're not fishing, you're not following. If you want to be my follower, you got to share the good news. That's why we made that part of our mission here at Avalon Church. Our mission is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with every person in our community. It's going to require followers. I can tell you from experience that fans won't share. It's going to require being a follower. Let me ask you a question. Is anyone going to be in heaven because of you? I know there's some really religious people sitting here going, no, 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 it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. I know. Have you told anybody about Jesus? Is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? 2 Timothy 2.2, life group leaders meeting on Thursday night. We looked at this passage of Scripture. Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, Timothy, I want you to take what you've heard from me and I want you to teach it to others who will in turn teach it to others. We concluded there's, there's four generations of, of Christians there. There's Paul and Timothy and who Timothy teaches and who they teach. Four generations. So here's what I want you to see. You're going to heaven. If you've trusted in Jesus, your faith is in Him. You're going to heaven. Because somebody told you about Jesus. And the person who told you about Jesus, someone told them. And someone told them. Someone told you about Jesus. Someone told the person who told you about Jesus. And someone told the person who told the person who told the person who told you about Jesus. The question is this. Does the cycle stop there? Does the cycle stop there? Or are you going to share? Or are you going to tell someone? Will the chain break with you? 
someone has said, Christianity is one generation away from being extinct. All we got to do is not tell anybody. Then we're going to die. And nobody will know. How does Jesus define a disciple? You got to be with him. You got to love him above all else. You have got to love his family. You have to obey him. You have to serve others. You have to share the good news. That's not my definition of a disciple. That's Jesus' definition of a disciple. Do you want to be a follower of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? It's a choice. What will you decide? Are you a disciple? All right. Let me invite you to stand. We're getting ready to close. I want you to I want you to really, really ponder on what the Holy Spirit has given to us today. While you're doing that, I want to tell you that I hope that you'll be back next Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be a very, very special day in our church. It's going to be a kind of Thanksgiving service, but we're going to tie that to being a follower of Jesus. It's going to be very, very special, and you won't want to miss that next Sunday. And then on the 14th, I mean on the 7th, we're going to wrap this series up. This whatever series. Then the next week we're going to begin our Christmas series and we're going to call it this year simply Hope. Hope. It's going to be exciting. I think the Holy Spirit has kind of brought you to a place this morning where you need to make a decision. Indecision, not making a decision. His decision. He's brought you to a place where you need to make a decision. So Lord Jesus, enough said, really. It's time for us to answer you. What are we going to do with you? We're going to be a cheerleader for you? We're going to be one of your fans? Or are we going to deny ourselves? Take up your cross? and follow you. I begin to get excited, Lord, when I think about a room full of people who say, I'll be a follower. I think about what it will mean in our own lives. I think about peace and love and joy and contentment and satisfaction, but I think also about what it will mean for our families who so many are struggling right now. You can heal that. I think about what it would mean for our church. It would change our worship. It would change our service. It would change our teaching. It would change everything. Then I think about what it would mean for our community. So many who desperately need to know Jesus is the answer. So Lord, here's my prayer. Some will think it's silly. I pray that every single individual in this room, every single one of them would say to you in this moment, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Have your will and way in every heart and life, I ask, I beg, 
as I pray in your name. Team, if y'all would lead us.